Welcome back to New Rockstars, I'm Eric Voss, and Rogue One is a Star Wars story that oddly gets better and better with age, largely because it celebrates everything Star Wars fans love. Incredible visuals, deep cuts to the lore, actual wars, a Darth Vader who's really scary again, and a plot so straightforward it can be summed up in a few yellow words. Ahead of the rise of Skywalker, I'm going to comb back through Rogue One to find all the new details and Easter eggs that we missed back in my 2017 breakdown, back when our workspace was haunted with random of ghosts who popped up in the background. <laughs> and before we begin, thanks to Monday.com for sponsoring this breakdown. Monday.com is a super intuitive team management tool with a platform that's suitable for any size team, from two freelancers working together to thousands of workers worldwide, or dozens of rebels trying to bring down the empire Something I tested because I actually use Monday.com to make this breakdown. We use it for a lot of our videos to keep track of all this stuff. And, and sometimes the best way to do that is to put in characters' names and places. Anyway, let's start at the beginning of the Rebels' mission to steal the Death Star plans. That mission began with a prologue on the planet Lamu. Now, there's no classic opening crawl to Rogue One. Instead, director Gareth Edwards cast a shadow on the planet's rings, creating this gray triangular shape that evoked the opening image of the original Star Wars, which opened with Vader's Star Destroyer, the Devastator, chasing down the ship that ends this film, The Tantive Four. It is on Lemu where director Orson Krennic finds Galen Erso, forcing him to finish the building of the Death Star, killing his wife, creating an enemy in the Imperial ranks that would later become the Empire's fatal flaw. And we can see this as task one of the Rebels' mission because without Galen, none of this would be possible. There are actually more cool Easter eggs here meant to evoke the original Star Wars. Moisture evaporators and blue bantha milk, both paralleling Luke's moisture farm on Tatooine. And Krennic is dressed in white with his death troopers in black, meant as a reversal of the opening shots of Vader in black, flanked by white stormtroopers. And we move on to task two of this rebel mission, with Cassian Andor receiving intel in K2SO, breaking Galen's daughter, Jen Erso, from prison on the planet Wobani, an anagram for Obi-Wan. Also, bueno! Notice that the rebel calls her by this alias. Halleck! Liana Halleck! The name Liana is actually a reference to the alias given to Mara Jade by the Emperor when he introduced her to Grand Admiral Thrawn in the Dark Force Rising book. Now onto task three, Cassian bringing Jen to Yavin 4 to brief her. They recreated the Rebel base set perfectly and they filled it with cameos by gonk droids and astromech droids. I think you can actually see R2 this early in the background. Mon Mothma is played by Genevieve O'Reilly, who played the character in the deleted scene from Revenge of the Sith, along with Jimmy Smith's coming back as Bail Organa. General Jandodana is also present. He's now played by Ian McElhinney from Game of Thrones. Now, task four of this plan takes them to Jeddah to find Saw Gerrera and his group called the Partisans. Among them are the brothers, Edrio and Benthic, two tubes. Actually, before joining the Partisans, Benthic was previously part of the Cloud Riders, whom we saw in the Solo movie. Also in this group is this little guy, Weetief Kubi. He's played by actor Warwick Davis, continuing his tradition of playing characters with W names in the Star Wars movies like Wicket the Ewok, Walden Weasel from Phantom Menace, and Wallavin in The Force Awakens. Throughout the Jeddah Plateau, Jin and Cassian pass a bunch of Easter eggs, including an Imperial probe droid, and these two fellas, Dr. Cornelius Evazan and Panda Baba, you remember these two D-bags as the ones who picked a fight with Luke and Obi-Wan and Maz Eisley that did not end well for them. There's actually a whole removed backstory with these two being tracked by another character, Tam Pazla and Kaysen Bog. We saw the two of them in one of the trailers for Rogue One. Kaysen Bog was one of Evazan's decraniated surgery experiments gone awry. This chase would have ended with their deaths in the cantina in Maz Eisley. The decraniated was actually later used on Dryden Boss's yacht in Solo, A Star Wars Story. Jin and Cassian also meet Baze Malbus and Shirat Imwe, described as the guardians of the wills. 
Guardians of the Wills, referencing the ancient storytellers, the Wills, in George Lucas's original framing narrative in an early draft of his Star Wars script. Imway says, May the force of others be with you, which was actually from an early version of that Star Wars script, which was later changed to May the force be with you before Lucas decided to capitalize force and make it a whole thing, which would later have metachlorians. Task five of the Rebels' victory is more of a long game of playing the Empire's bureaucracy and middle management against itself, a well-known tactic of outgunned resistances against occupying regimes. In this case, it's Galen Erso using Bodhi Rook's defection to drive a wedge between rival Imperial officers Krennic and Tarkin. In the Star Wars scene where Vader force-choked Admiral Mahdi, there's an empty chair at that table, which presumably belonged to Krennic. Krennic has to answer to Vader in his castle on Mustafar, the planet Vader fought Obi-Wan on in Revenge of the Sith. His castle is based on old Ralph McQuarrie art for the original trilogy, designed to parallel the structure of a Jedi temple, except now it's kind of a dam for lava, which feeds its negative energy. There's a brief shot of Vader in a Bacta healing tank. Edwards said that he wanted a similar moment of vulnerability as the shot of the back of Vader's head that we briefly saw in Empire. Task six of the plan is to make contact with Galen Erso on Eadu. Even though Cassian's plan is to assassinate Galen, this overall step of the journey is to confirm that the flaw he designed into the Death Star is real. The character of Galen is based on J. Robert Oppenheimer, one of the developers of the atomic bomb, who later lamented over his work in his famous speech called The Destroyer of Worlds. The Destroyer of Worlds was actually the working title for Rogue One. In the story treatment, Lucasfilm's John Knoll used to pitch this story. And when the film was finished, its reels were shipped out under the name Los Alamos, which was the city in New Mexico known for its atomic bomb testing sites. But back on Yavin 4, task seven is to regroup with the rebel forces and convince them to fight. General Merrick leads the X-Wing Blue Squadron, a detail taken from the original Star Wars, which had to change the X-Wings from blue to red squadron because the blue screens used for the VFX forced the color blue to need to be desaturated. That's why R2's blue paneling came off as a dark gray color during the trench run scene. The Blue Squadron makes it through the Scarif shield gate and that base gets blown up by the Death Star, explaining why the Blue Squadron is not around for the Battle of Yavin. The Rebel Navy is led by Admiral Raddus. Later in The Last Jedi, the Resistance names their flagship the Raddus after this war hero. Also during the sequence, you can hear a voice over the PA ringing out, this is a nod to Hera Syndulla from Star Wars Rebels. Her ship, the Ghost, can be seen among the Rebel fleet throughout the film, as can their astromech droid, Chopper. Now, a small group of Rebels splits off to take action, and Bodhi identifies their call sign as... Rogue? Rogue One. Thus, providing the origin of the name of the Rebel Rogue Squadron in the original trilogy. Now, there's a tiny moment between Mon Mothma and Bail Organa that more or less connects this whole movie's plot to the prequels and the original trilogy. Your friend. He served me well during the Clone Wars and has lived in hiding since the Emperor's Purge. Yes, I will send for him. You will need someone you can trust. I would trust her with my life. Captain Antilles, Senator, I have a mission for you, sir. They're referring to Obi-Wan Kenobi, one of the few Jedi who escaped Order 66 in Revenge of the Sith now hiding on Tatooine, though more details of that story will soon be explored in the Kenobi series, and Organa is going to send his adopted daughter, Princess Leia, whom he literally trusts with his life when he dies in Alderaan's destruction. And the Captain Antilles he summons is Ramus Antilles, his pilot seen at the end of Revenge of the Sith, and the end of this film. Now, task eight of the plan leads the crew to Scarif, where they must infiltrate the Imperial Shield Gate, sneak into the Citadel Tower, and find the Death Star schematics in the archives. They use the old Star Wars trick of masquerading in Imperial uniforms, and as they sneak in, we get the Star Wars trademark line. I've got a bad feeling about it. Okay. Quiet. 
Oh. And a few more Easter eggs, a mouse droid buzzes around, and K2SO hacks another Imperial droid with the same kind of rotary-style scomp link that R2 uses on a door lock in the Death Star. Outside, two stormtroopers chit-chat. Hey, did you hear the rumors? Yeah, the T-15s have been marked obsolete. Stormtroopers have a similar conversation about T-17s in The Force Awakens. In the archive room, Jen reads off the file names. Hyperspace tracking, navigational systems. This detail became a major plot point in The Last Jedi. Hyperspace tracking was how the First Order was able to follow the Resistance fleet even after their hyperspace jump. And then the battle heats up and we move on to task nine of the mission, which involves the rebel forces directly engaging the Scarif base, confusing the Empire forces long enough to bring down the shield and allow the Death Star plans to transmit through. The rebel fleet includes the Ghost from Rebels, a Nebulon B escort frigate, which we saw in the final scene of Empire and the Battle of Endor, GR-75 medium transports, which we saw from the retreat from Hoth in Empire, as well as the Mon Calamari cruisers. And during this battle, they slipped in archive footage from the original Star Wars of Gold Leader John Vander. This is Gold Leader, standing by. And Red Leader Garvin Drace. This is Red Leader, standing by. And they also point out this specific pilot. Stick close, Red Five. Where are you going? Put all over me. This was the original Red Five, and now that he's dead, it leaves the Red Five position open for Luke Skywalker to take it in the Battle of Yavin. Now they're finally able to open the shield gate with a hammerhead corvette, which knocks one Star Destroyer into another and both crash into the gate. That, plus Bodhi's patch and chariot flipping the master switch, allows Jin and Cassian to transmit the plans up to the rebel ship. And that takes us to task 10, the final step, hand off the plans and escape Vader. Now the Death Star has wiped out all the heroes on the Scarif surface, and now Vader's ship, the Devastator, has arrived, turning Rogue One into a story about Darth Vader and the stolen plans themselves, and just a violent game of keep away between these two things. Now check out another video I recently did, breaking down why this sequence is my favorite Darth Vader moment, but essentially it's a highlight reel of Vader using every attack we know he's capable of, using the Force to jam that door and lock these rebels in a kill box. All the while, a slowed-down Quirrell version of the Imperial March screams down over them, and it all ends with the plans handed off to the Tantive Four, from Captain Antilles to Princess Leia. But right before he does that, he orders... Prepare the escape pods. Yeah, one last detail connecting this all to the opening of Star Wars, because it is those escape pods through which R2 and 3PO slip through Vader's clutches with the stolen plans. And there you have it! Now, again, thank you to Monday.com for helping me organize this rewatch. Monday.com aims to make every user feel empowered and part of something bigger than their own individual tasks, and as a result, to boost collective productivity and transparency. Just like how each of the rebels in the Rogue One crew were, in each of their own small ways, all part of something bigger than they ever could have imagined. So download Monday.com today and give it a try. Now again, I covered even more details in my original Rogue One breakdown, how all the battle imagery was based on famous war movies. And since New Rockstars has already analyzed the new Star Wars films since The Force Awakens, we would love to count down the weeks leading up to The Rise of Skywalker by doing these kinds of rewatches for the original trilogy, as well as the prequel films. It just takes a lot of time and resources to do that. So one way that you can help us is by becoming a patron of New Rockstars Digital Studios. With enough generosity, we just might be able to do these once a week between now and December. And as a patron, you're going to get special access to bonus content, a lot of great stuff. Just click on our Patreon link in the description. How do you rank Rogue One among the Star Wars films? Comment down below with your thoughts. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at EAVoss. Follow New Rockstars on social media at New Rockstars. And subscribe to us on YouTube for more breakdowns and rewatches of the film you love. And the films you love even more after the films that follow it in the series seriously disappoint you.
Thank you.